Welcome to the Lifeway Student Ministry Podcast. I'm Ben Trueblood alongside John Paul Basham. Yo! We are here with you for another episode. And as we begin, I would love to uh, read a recent rating and review that we've received. So thank you for doing that. Uh, this is also the reminder that we would love to hear from you by you doing that, leaving a rating and review. So Rhino2009 has said, I have been listening to this podcast for a long time, and the content is great! Two exclamation points. The only suggestion I would offer is that in post-production, please raise the volume. This is one of the lowest volume podcasts I listen to. Uh, so, Rhino, thank you for the four stars and the words. We really appreciate the feedback. Uh, producer Nathan and I have spoken about your review, and and we are going to raise the volume. This is going to happen we, because this isn't the first time we've heard this specific <laughs> feedback. <laughs> we would like to say, hey, it's COVID and there's different stuff that we're having. To, but we have heard that before. We are going to do some volume tweaking. Producer Nathan is on the task. He is ready to do this. So Rhino 2009, thank you. Uh, for the feedback, for the four stars. We sure appreciate it. And we're going to get that volume fixed and bump, bump it up. We're going to get you bumped up to five stars there. All right. Our, uh, our episode today um, is one that I think is really, really important for us to talk about. Uh, and it's based around learning lessons the hard way and the posture that, that we need to take on or at least strive to take on when we're walking through a difficult experience, when we're struggling, maybe we've failed at something uh, and how we can learn in the midst of that. Um, but before we get to that episode, I do want to mention to you another learning opportunity, and that is Youth Pastor Summit one day that is a virtual learning experience for you. Uh, it is going to be a fantastic day on October the 29th at 11 a.m. Eastern. This is a free event. You can find out more at slulead.com slash YPS. Uh, that is an event that we partner with our friends from Student Leadership University to put on. And it is October 29th, 11 a.m. Eastern time Youth Pastor Summit one day. We hope to see you there uh, virtually, and you're not going to want to miss it. They've got a really, really great lineup um, ready for you. So uh, that is a learning opportunity for you. And kind of point one in this episode today is learning things the hard way. Really, there are two options in learning. We can learn from our own experiences, and we can walk through things. And, and learn from them ourselves, or we can learn from other people. We can listen to and put ourselves in, an, in environments with other people to learn from the experiences that they've had. And maybe by learning from other people's experiences, we can avoid some of the hardship and difficulty or even failures that we would have experienced on our own. But because of the learning, we can jump forward a little bit and we can go ahead and learn from their experiences. Um, this is the standard kind of stuff, right? Like books, uh, make sure that this is one of the reasons why 
you should be reading is to learn from other people's experiences along the way, um, as well as engaging with mentors and purposeful, intentional relationships with people who are farther along in ministry than you um, and setting aside time, uh, not just for small talk, but being prepared and really diving deeply into someone else's experiences who's willing to share and take on that mentoring role with you. Uh, and then peers who are in similar situations, people that are walking uh, through life and through ministry in a similar situation as you, that you can learn from kind of in real time. So the foundation of the episode today really is that there are only two ways to learn. We can learn through our own experiences or we can learn through the experiences of others. And that really brings us to the bulk of the conversation today, John Paul, and that's focusing on the posture that we should take on and how we can even maximize this moment when we're learning a lesson the hard way or when we're walking through a difficult season, moment, experience, we've experienced failure or something like that and how to maximize that moment, how to learn from it and hopefully pass it on to somebody else, but learning in the moment and the posture we need to take on. Yeah. So the the first thing that we have here to talk about is freedom to fail, this concept of having freedom to fail. And I think before we even get to that, I think it's important to go back to the things you just covered, which are all important. Reading books to learn from the experiences of others, spending time with people to learn from them um, that are further along with you, farther along than you, and also the people that are right in the trenches where you are doing what you're doing. I think in uh, kind of a precursor to this freedom to fail and what it looks like to have freedom to fail and what it, what that requires of you and of the people around you. I think it's important to say that you won't likely get to a place of real freedom in failure unless you've done some of the work ahead of time to put yourself in this vein of thinking as you read and as you learn from the people around you that failure is a real part of life and there are so many books about great leaders that start off with boy did they jack this up royally but the great leaders are often seen as great because of what they overcame. Yeah. What they came through, the failures they experienced, and, and then how they moved through those things. And, and really, you know, not just that they got through it, but specifically how. What did they do? How did they get back up? How did they move forward? How did they motivate people to still come with them? despite what happened. And the same thing with as we talk to those people. If you encounter failure and it's never something that you've processed, it's never something that you've said and, and never something that you've kind of built a bank of experiences that you've learned from others to say, okay, somebody made it through something like this before and so I can too then you're going to struggle much more when you encounter that really big failure moment that all of us are going to encounter uh, more than once, right? Yeah. 
And so I think that's important. Even before we get into the, okay, let's put ourselves back into this posture of when we failed and kind of diagnose what happened is to say, let's be proactive to prepare ourselves to fail well through the experiences that we have with others, through the things that we're learning. It's an interesting thing, uh, leadership and its relationship to failure. Because to some degree, I've heard people articulate that leaders are hired to get results. Um, and that is something that I have certainly heard through the years. Um, and, I, and I have agreed with that. And to an extent, I still agree with it. At the same time, results are rarely achieved without failure along the way. And, uh, John Paul, where our, our team right now is reading a book called Shackleton's Way. That's the story of Sir Ernest Shackleton, Antarctic explorer. And the fascinating thing about him and something that's really challenging me in the relationship of leadership and failure is that it can be said of him that he never achieved the ultimate goal of any of his expeditions. That's right. Yet is considered to be one of history's great leaders. Uh, and in reading this book, it's been fascinating um, because we would also define leadership as leadership is influence, right? Uh, to take a page from our student leadership university friends, leadership is influence. And even though Shackleton did not achieve his main goal in any of his expeditions, the book is filled with story after story after story of people who would line up to go on his expeditions. Mm -hmm. And that's influence. And so it, I am in this place right now where I am really being challenged with leaders are hired to achieve results and the relationship with there's failure wrapped up in this thing called leadership. You cannot be successful at everything you endeavor to do. It is just not going to be the case. Yet, I think many times as leaders, our expectation of ourselves or even perhaps the ones whom lead, who lead us is that there won't be failure. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think another piece of that is that as a leader, I think people bring leaders on. Well, this isn't, this isn't necessarily always the case, but we often bring leaders on and give them charge of an area because we feel like they can take it somewhere that it hasn't been before. Yeah. So, you, you bring somebody on and say, man, they're going to do great things here. There certainly are those cases where where there's hires and they say, we just want you to keep the status quo. We've seen that in the, in the church before. Um, but that's not necessarily the healthiest place to be. And so, something that you see in Shackleton's way is that this is a man that was willing to do the most audacious things um, as an explorer, right? He, yeah. he was going to the hardest places 
that a human can go still, I mean, still today on this earth. Right. And so there's this, a relationship there too, that as a leader, man, I want to go do some really difficult things and I want to take people with me. And we want these, I know I've, I've, feel this quite often, like, man, I want to go take a bigger hill than I ever thought I could take. Right. Which is a vulnerable place to be. And there's a balance there in my own mind, because sometimes that is coupled with an immediate feeling of fear. What if I don't get anywhere close to it? And then the immediate other side is, but I'm not going to be scared of it. Like, I just want to launch in as a leader. I want to take the hill. And so I think there's a healthy balance between those two that, man, if we're going to go do something audacious, if we're going to go do something big, something that we feel like we have certainly not achieved before, and maybe people that have come before us haven't achieved before, then we have to be willing to confront this issue that, there may be some failures along the way, or the whole thing may be a failure. Yeah. But I think inside of that failure is when you really find out the metal of your leadership in the way that you fail and what you do with that failure is going to expose so much of who you are as a leader. Yeah, that's right. And man, I think just in understanding and having this perspective of here's something to use your word audacious that I'm going to attempt to do with a team, not by yourself, certainly all of those things, but this is something that has been birthed in me and I am going to chase after this thing and plan and prepare and do all of the work in order to succeed. It's not like to keep our, uh, this podcast isn't on Ernest Shackleton, but to keep that illustration going, it's not like he purposefully took less food than he needed in order to reach his expedition goal. No, they prepared for everything. And sometimes it, it doesn't happen. So this isn't a, the freedom to fail and the perspective there isn't a, I'm going to give a lackluster attempt here. It is, I am going to prepare and plan and full bore go after this thing. And I am also going to give myself permission to be less than perfect. So I think that is something that comes in huge. Uh, when we when we think about freedom to fail, one of the first things that comes to mind for me when we get specifically to the work environment that a student ministry leader finds themselves in, um, reporting to somebody else that is banking on them to do great things in student ministry. Right. You have been brought on in whatever capacity it is, volunteer, bivocational, full-time, and maybe that's even shifted over the last several months while the whole landscape of doing church has been flipped on its head. But somebody has brought you on and said, I want you to do great things with this student ministry. So as you set out to do those great things in student ministry and you have these big dreams, one of the common pitfalls is just not communicating those big dreams. But even as you're communicating those things, I want to go grab this 
huge goal. I have this God-sized vision for our people that God has charged us with the discipleship and care of. It is critical that you go to those people that are entrusting you with this task to say, here's what I would like to do. Here's how I've prepared so far. You know, I, give me your blessing. And as you give me your blessing, I'm going to keep you in the loop the whole way as we move forward. But it's important to have this conversation with them to just say, okay, I could maybe see this going sideways in a couple of directions. And this is part of preparing. This is where I see this getting off the rails potentially at some point, And this is what I'm trying to do to prevent that. But what happens if I do get off the rails? That's an important conversation to have with the people you report to. Ben, how do you think that conversation actually goes, though, so that you're not because you don't want to set yourself up for it's not like a safeguard like, oh, if I fail, don't fire me. That's not necessarily the case. So how do you have this conversation in a healthy way? Yeah, I think the healthiest way is to focus a lot of the conversation on here's this dream that I have. Here's the plan that I'm putting in place strategically to achieve that dream. And then here, just like you said, here are some areas where I think it could go off the rails to use your, to use your, your words there. But I think going in and sitting with your, <laughs> with your supervisor and saying, Hey, here's 10 ways that I could fail this year. is probably, <laughs> is probably not the right approach. Yeah. Um, because that doesn't show any of the dreaming and planning and strategy and conversations you've had with students and leaders and parents to build this groundswell of momentum before you charge out and, and chase after this goal. I think for me as, as a leader, if somebody came and said, hey, here are these things, uh, I'm going to try to chase after this. It may not work. And here are the ways that I've identified. Well, that's helpful to me as a leader. And I think it would be helpful the listeners for you that for your supervisor or your pastor, because then what you can do is say, if it like, if it goes wrong in these ways that I've identified as potential places of failure, what are some things, then the conversation can be around what are some things that we can do if that happens to not fail as much mm -hmm. to, to, if, if you're going to say, the boat could have a hole in these four places and you're going to set sail in that boat. Well, then you're going to build not the plan to reach your destination and stop. You're also going to have some contingency plans to say, if I get the hole right here, then there are some things. Yeah, it's going to hurt. It's not going to feel good. It may cause us to not reach our destination, but we're not going to sink. And here are some things that we can do together with your supervisor to say, let's, let's stop the sinking, so to speak. Yeah. I think, too, it's important to dream with the people that you report to. Yeah. So if you come in with a dream that you have not communicated with them, but you've been working on for a year and your minutes from pulling the trigger 
full on execution of this big thing and it fails. Well, then you've just put your, the people that you report to in a tough situation that they didn't have any prior knowledge of and they're fully in reaction mode. Yeah. No surprises. Yeah. But, but to come into that dream and execute that dream in a way that brings everyone else along. So, I have this huge goal that I want to accomplish, and it fits in our church's mission in these ways. And I would like to know how we can bring everybody else along in this, how this can benefit the rest of the church, how do we craft this, how do we mold this in a way that everybody's on board. When everybody's on board then the weight of that failure is going to be spread out a little bit further than just on you as you've brought everybody else into the task. Yeah. Uh, and there's going to, you know, that brings so much. Uh, that brings just ownership from multiple directions. It brings eyes from different perspectives that are going to be on the goal to, to help you avoid some of those big pitfalls. But it's also going to bring in when you're really chasing after something huge and everybody around you knows it and they're cheering you on for it, there's going to be a tremendous amount of buy-in and compassion from the people around you to say, yeah. okay, this part fell through, but we see why and how, and we're with you in it. You know, we're going to shoulder this with you and help you carry it. When that's not the case is when failure is so tough when yeah. you're just, when you're alone in it, but we're often alone in failure because we've isolated ourselves in the process. It's mm, good. You know, it's uh, one of the things we have as a part of this posture, you know, there are going to be failures um, that you foresee. We could struggle in this area and it ends up being one of those areas where failure happens and you're ready for it. There are also going to be things that are just unforeseen. Failure is going to come out of nowhere. You're going to be stuck in it. Um, I think having this mindset or this perspective shift on failure that we've been talking about and knowing the freedom of it, having these conversations is important. And one of the other things that you just mentioned about the isolation is actually another one of the, one of the pieces of the posture here, and that's to seek help. Um, yeah. To not go it alone. Uh, and I think this is a different kind of relationship than the conversation you have with your supervisor or with your pastor, if you're listening to this and you're a youth pastor. Uh, certainly, it could be one and the same, but many times this will be a different person. This will be... This will be the person who's the encourager, who's the, I'm going to, to use a biblical example, I'm going to hold your arms up when you're tired kind of kind of person that's cheering you on in your corner and a part of your team that's going to help you maybe execute this. But to say it again for emphasis, that this is the encourager person um, that's going to be by your side, even in those moments where you do experience failure, where I'll say it this way, I guess. We end up in isolation many times of our own choice when there are actually people in our lives who would stand with us if only we would ask. Yeah, that's good. And yet, so many of us don't ever ask. <clears throat> For so many reasons, because we feel like 
it doesn't line up with our identity to ask. It doesn't line up with people's expectations of us to ask for help. It doesn't line up with our own perception of who we are and how we should be behaving in any given moment to ask. Or uh, maybe you're even just struggling with an issue of pride, that pride is a is a huge factor in failure. Pride is gonna mm-hmm. is is gonna be felt at one point or another in the process of walking through a failure. Um, and sometimes is the is the the direct cause of the failure. Hmm. But all important things to watch out for. You know, if if you find yourself in that in that place, looking back at something and realizing you never sought help, it's an important question to ask: Why did I not seek help? And what can I change in this moment to make sure that I do seek help appropriately next time? Yeah, the seek help. I think you could take it so many different directions. We've taken it in terms of the isolation and having people with you and the encourager. It's also very practically, and again, these can be some of the same people, but it's also very practically bringing people along with you as a leader that are going to help you accomplish it. So in a student ministry context, this is parents, this is students, this is leaders, this is sometimes your supervisor, like John Paul talked about earlier, but this is the training and mobilizing a group of people to be on this mission with you, to be seeking after this goal with you, that you have dreamt that the Lord has put in your heart and that you're planning for, that you share it in such a way that it pulls people, that there is a gravitational pull with people to join you in this task. So there's both a don't go at this alone type of posture both for the sake of encouragement and people that are going to be cheering you and for people that are going to join you in the mission. You mentioned earlier uh, pride as sometimes being um, the reason for failure. Uh, It also, I think pride is one of the biggest things that keeps us from another piece of this posture to have when we have to learn a lesson the hard way. And that's the posture of learning. So, If you've tried to identify points of failure before you've started, that's part of having this posture of learning. You're preparing yourself ahead of time to learn in the areas where you fail. Uh, But uh, another way to say it is failing forward. Don't waste a failure. You know, uh, you've probably, if you're listening to this podcast, you've heard this phrase said in many different ways over and over and over throughout your leadership life. But the reality is, Pride is one of the things that keeps us out of the posture of learning and keeps us from that failing forward type of mindset. Yeah, that's right. And and this is a place where, so, so the opposite of that struggle with pride is going to be a, a seeking of humility in being in that posture of learning. What, what does it look like for me to realize in a moment of failure or as failure is approaching. I don't know, Ben, if you've ever been in that place where it's like you see the failure coming. There's nothing you can do about it in this moment. It's coming like a freight train. Mm -hmm. 
and what in the world am I going to do with this? You know, you're just waiting on the, you know, that maybe some hard conversations are coming. You know that um, you're just going to have to deal with this failure. It's in that moment that I think we, we get a little bit of a gauge on, like I mentioned earlier, really what, what, what is your leadership made of? Can you in that moment kind of take a, take a minute to suck this down and live in this moment of failure and bring yourself through that prideful response of, oh, but if this had just happened, it would have been fine. If this person had just done this, we would have been fine. Uh, if they had just heard this the way I intended, this would have been fine. There's so many of those things where you can have that prideful defensive response. Yeah. But can you bring yourself in that moment to the place of humility that that I think is really tied to that posture of freedom to fail? To say, okay, I'm going to deal with this honestly and and listen to the circumstances, listen to the response, whatever the case is, and discern truly what is at the root of this failure. You know, this, I don't have this thought fully cooked, so it, it will be risky here um, a little bit. But when you were, when you were talking through that, um, the thing that came to my mind is in connection with the gospel, in this expectation of perfection, like the pride that swells up so much in i cannot believe that this didn't succeed or something along those lines it actually goes against the very truth of the gospel in who we are in that we are not perfect we were not going to spiritually succeed and so needed a savior who succeeded on our behalf. Yeah. And also, I don't believe that that's just true for sin and spirituality. I think it is it, that connects to all parts of our lives. And if you fail at something, it may not have been because of any sin. It may have just not worked. Like, it may have just not worked. Yeah. But to say to ourselves, I don't fail. And I can't believe that that happened. And to then put ourselves in a position of perfect ex expectations and pride actually takes us away from what the gospel is meant to be for us in that moment. Yeah. And that is, hey, there's a realization here that there are going to be things that you do that just don't work out. And there's grace in that. Yeah, that's good. You, this gets off track a little bit from the direction we've been heading. But one thing that you mentioned, the person that says, I don't fail, is a very specific personality type. And not to dig into personality types. We don't sure. have enough time. But... I think there's there's also some important um, 
analysis of your own response to life in general, because failing forward and really taking advantage, pressing down pride and drawing up humility, all of this is part of failing well and understanding um, in a healthy, emotional way, in a God-honoring way, and one that seeks to learn and grow and be better next time. Um, that requires us to really know our starting point. And so, some of us may start from this place where we're so competitive and, or maybe not even competitive, but just in that kind of perfectionist lane, maybe even, where we just say, I don't get things wrong. I prepare enough that I get them right. And so, there's one kind of feeling in failure there. There's maybe a a completely opposite sense of failure for the person that is so laid back that they don't fail forward either because they're just like, ah, stuff never really works the way you plan it out anyway, so it's fine. That's not failing forward either. That's just dismissing the gravity of the real situation and saying, ah, it's okay, just brush it off. It's often not okay. (laughs) A lot of times when we fail – It's not okay. You can bring good out of that failure. You can learn from it. You can be better. It can be redeemed. And I love that. Yeah. In everything we do, we have that gospel filter there, but making sure that our personality bent is taken into account to make sure that we hit the center mark, no matter where we're coming from, I think is crucial. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. And it is, uh, it would be fun to dive into, uh, you know, there are a bunch of different personality tests. Of course, Enneagram is probably the most popular one at this point in our, in our culture, but to dive into each one and how failure expresses itself would be a fun conversation for another time. I would like to say too, just in this, uh, conversation that, um, this is a unique episode for me because I'm somebody who does not do well with failure. Like the thought of it potentially happening stresses me out, keeps me up at night. It makes it, it really plays a toll on, on me. Like I have to work out and run lots of miles to get the excess energy of potential failure out of my body. Yeah. So, like, this is coming from somebody, as we talk about this, this is coming from somebody who uh, likes to think that I've progressed and learned and have put some of this into practice. But also, I am in this with all of you. Because the reality is, we are all going to fail at some point. You can't possibly learn all of the examples from other people's experiences and never fail in leadership. If you do, then I would argue that you're not truly leading. So, I'll go ahead, John Paul. I just it's interesting that you said that because I was thinking about the difference between the two of us as I was saying what I said right before then. Um I do have to work because I am a laid back person. And so I often have to work to make sure that I'm uh, analytical enough 
in how I approach things. So what do I think about a thing is something that I have to (laughs) actively ask myself sometimes. Like, what do I think? What do I really think? How do I feel? What are the factors that I see? Because I am just naturally a pretty laid back person. So I love to achieve, but the prospect of failure is not one that necessarily stresses me out. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Certainly a huge failure would. So something that I've prayed my whole ministry career is Lord, don't let me be the next headline. But, but that kind of comes in the moral failure is where I've always prayed that Lord, don't let me, have this huge fall from grace, you know, where I've just allowed myself to travel down this rabbit hole of sin that explodes in my life at some point. Right. So, Which, by the way, is not the failures we've been spending right. this moment on. Yeah. yeah. But so those big failures are failures that have been huge points of prayer for me throughout my ministry career. The smaller ones, like we're going to launch a new line of devotions and they may not make the way that I need them to make. Those don't keep me up at night. Like I kind of have to work and stay up at night on purpose. <laughs> so we, we just come at it from, yeah. a completely different, from a completely different perspective sometimes. For sure. And there are... 10 other ways that, or however many other ways that people approach it. I think one of the things um, to make sure that we say about how to walk through this moment of failure or even pre-failure, how to, how to have a posture going into it that helps you get through it in those times where we do experience failure is to remember that uh, at some point along the way, you're going to have to respond to someone else's failure. Like someone is going to fail alongside of you, or you're going to give a task to someone and that task is going to be failed to be failed. So I think the key thing here is how you respond to your own failures. will give other people the freedom to failure to freedom to fail. How you respond to your own failures as a leader will tell the people around you how you might respond to their to their failures. And in saying that, it's like, ooh, dang, that's hard. Uh, because, like, for me, like, that's hard being introspective on how have I publicly dealt with failures? And does that give a freedom in my team to say, man, if I go out here and I fail, then that's going to be met with an opportunity to learn and sure some correction or adjustment and path along the way, but it's also going to be filled with grace and all of those things. And we're going to get up out of the failure and we're going to run after something else, or we're going to retool and run after the same thing a different way. So it's an introspective moment. And I think for us as leaders, it's important for us to have those introspective moments along the way. Like how am I dealing with my own failure? And is that the same way that I am going to treat someone else and have those expectations on them? Yeah. Yeah, it is one of the reasons that I think my posture toward failure is what it is, 
because I've had other people show incredible grace in times that I have failed and showed me kind of the road out of that failure. You know, not only, and not to say that there haven't been some hard conversations like, hey, this did not go well and it's not okay that it went the way it did. But for someone to be willing to say, but here's the way we're going to work together to come through this. And like you said earlier, either chase this same thing down from another direction or pivot our strategy altogether. It's been those moments that have been incredibly formative in my own leadership and ability to respond to somebody on my team that says, I just didn't get it across the finish line this time. Yeah. And that's a, it's a, it's a very discipleship focused kind of perspective to have because you have to think about what those people that you're leading that will one day be the leaders in another arena. How would you hope they'll model your leadership as they lead the people that they lead? You know, I don't want anybody leaving our team and going to lead some ministry somewhere or another department at Lifeway and say, gosh, let me tell you all the things I'm not going to do the way John Paul did them. (laughs) That's, That's the last thing you want. Yeah. So it's just a, another another way to think about it how, how what is this legacy of freedom to fail gonna say about you in the future leadership of the people that you're leading now yeah that's good so we uh spent some time talking through and the reality is there's going to be failure hopefully we can minimize that through relationships and education and learning from other people's experiences. But the reality is there are going to be moments where we fail, where we have this dream, we've built a plan, we've chased after it, and some things have gone wrong along the way. And having that freedom to fail often sets us up and puts us in a place where we can chase after those dreams. If we're so afraid of failure that it keeps us from chasing after the dreams that God's put in our hearts, and we're not truly leading. So having that freedom to fail, knowing that we are not going to be perfect, and that is an inappropriate expectation to have on our leadership life. Um, To have a posture of learning throughout the process, to have a posture of learning and saying, I'm always going to try to fail forward. What can I learn from this? Keeping pride out and humility in to maintain that posture of learning and to seek help from other people, to not go it alone, to have people alongside you that are going to encourage you in the expedition to reach this goal, in the mission to reach this goal or whatever's in front of you and involving people to help you achieve it. Those people that are going to stand alongside you and fight with you to achieve the dream that God's put in your heart. And then lastly, you heard John Paul articulate and talk about it just now, that leadership legacy of our responses to failure will give other people the freedom to failure. They will learn from you. So it's not just you learning as you fail, but other people have the opportunity to learn from your failures as well. This has been another episode of the LifeWay Student Ministry Podcast. We'll see you next time.